eye on the street below. Alfred says I have trouble with intimacy, but people often die when they get close to me. I'm kicking and punching. Hey folks, welcome back to the DC Threekly Batman and Robin Eternal Podcast. We're talking about issue 8 tonight. I'm Vince, here with Zach and Brian as always. Uh, just so you know, there will be spoilers, so go read the book, damn it, and then come back and listen to us after. Uh, Alright, a little summary of the issue. We begin in Prague, flashback, several years ago. Bruce and Dick are scouting the same ballet that we saw in the last issue. Bruce confronts Mother here. To the present, Dick confronts Mother in much the same fashion as Bruce did in the flashback. Meanwhile, Cass and Bluebird uh, fight the dancers from the ballet that were uh, under control uh, that we saw last issue. Mother tells Dick that Bruce was seeking a true heir and that Dick was never, uh, never good enough for Batman. Uh, Dick wants to know which Robin she made for Bruce instead, because uh, that's what she's implying. Um, back in the past, we see Bruce asking Mother for a quote-unquote bride. He says, I'm I'm ready to marry, or something like that. Um, but in reality, he's putting a tracking device on her. So more to come on that in a future issue, I'm sure. Uh, in the present again, Mother tells Dick that he has to leave Cass and Harper uh, fighting the dancers and go with her if he wants to know more about her operation and and why uh, she says that he's failed Bruce. Um, instead, Dick decides to go back and help Cass and Harper, allowing Mother to essentially disappear for now. Uh, after the fight with the ballerinas... Um, Harper is joking around and she playfully tugs on Cass's hair and Cass freaks out and runs away. She kind of has a little vision of the past, some sort of trauma, and she books it out of there. Um, after that, we see uh, Tim and Jason in the city of Gomorrah. They are ending, entering a church that they think is harboring the tech dealer that they were looking for last issue. They find him there. Uh, he's muttering to himself in in French, and I've translated it. So it's, the, the circle is complete. The circle is the fullness of God. The circle protects me from oblivion. Uh, to him, Tim and Jason appear like monsters or demons. And uh, it's kind of like if, um, you know, if it was the Scarecrow's fear toxin. And, uh, and... On the final page, he references the Angel of Death. So, fellas, looks like we've got some Azrael coming. As we predicted, yes. I, yes, yes, I think that confirms it. Yeah. So, did I cover everything? Yeah, yes. I think you did a nice job with it. All right. Awesome. Uh, so, guys, what do you think? Um, let's let's start on that note with uh, with Azrael. What sort of role do we see him playing? Do we think that he's orphan or someone else i think he's orphan i think so too i think so too even though he looked different from how we normally 
I, you know, I'm sure we'll see him in an Azrael esque costume by the the end of the series. Sure. Yeah. M- much like Bruce, mother will have made him dye his hair black. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's interesting the implication, like you know, obviously Azrael is the angel of death. That is, you know, like historic in, in a theological sense. That is oftentimes the name given to. Uh, to the angel of death, or at least to a, a violent angel, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. But I think it's interesting that... Like, let me back up for a second. One of the things I think that's really fascinating about the way that DC handles Batman stuff is they put stuff like the angel of death in a comic knowing that a percentage of the audience is going to get it and a percentage is not going to get it. But I feel like we're at the point now where less people get that then don't get it yeah does that make yeah. sense yes that, that's interesting and it's yeah. kind of a weird choice isn't it it is but you know i think the best books in the new 52 and i know we're not in the new 52 anymore but well i mean we're in the continuity but they don't call it that anymore you right. know, we're far beyond the the early days now but um i think the best books in the new 52 did that sort of stuff you know um, Wonder Woman made references to things from Wonder Woman's past that if you got it, great. And if you didn't, it was just part of the story, you yeah. know, um, Batman by Snyder does that all the time, you know? Um, and I think something like this, uh, that works whether you realize the reference or not. Yeah, I agree. I like that they do it. I just find it as in, I feel like it's very, uh, anti- what DC says all the time, which is like, we have to be a place where people can jump in at any time and it needs to be less continuity and all that. And then you're throwing out friggin' Azriel references. It's just an, <laughs> it's just an odd choice of, uh, of technique. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if someone did jump in, you know, they would just think, Oh, this guy is afraid of the angel of death. You know, like, yeah. like it doesn't matter whether they know if it's Azriel or not, they'll, they'll find out eventually. And then, They'll catch up to us. I, I see what you're saying, but, you know, I don't know that it's problematic or anything. I, I don't think it is. I think it's just it's just unusual. It's just interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Any other Asriel thoughts? Uh, no, I'm kind of pumped because um, uh, I, I like Asriel whenever he appears. You know, I, I kind of like him as a little guest in the Bat Books. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm excited to see him again. Yeah, I w- I just want to know, like, you know, you have to think. There are certain books on the chopping block. Midnighter might not last too much longer. It, how cool would it be to get a Steve Orlando, uh, Asriel ongoing? Oh yeah, spinning out of this or something like that. You know? Yeah. Not that I wish, you know, ill on Midnighter. That's no. not you know I don't want that to be taken that way but just thinking about the people who are on this series you know uh, genevieve valentine she doesn't have a book now that catwoman is under someone else you know it'd be great to see one of these creators spin off on that character or mm-hmm. any of the other characters in these in this book you know yeah it's just been... for over a hundred issues yeah <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> i feel like we bring that fact up all the time <laughs> well i love it it's one of my favorite uh one of my favorite DC facts. Yeah. The number of issues Asriel had. 
Um, aside from Azrael, were, were there any big surprises in this issue? Um, well, the, I don't know that it's necessarily a surprise, but it was an interesting turn of events to have Cass freak out and run away. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we know that that's something in her personality. Um, even, you know, in the, in the old DC universe, she, she had a traumatic past that she would flash back to once in a while, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, I don't know that it's necessarily a surprise, but it's uh, an interesting turn of events for the book. I agree with that. Um, I want to talk about Mother for a minute. Uh, this this comes from an interview I did with, with uh, a man whose name we've been mispronouncing for a very long time now. It's <laughs> apparently James Tynan. I don't believe that. Uh, James Tynan the fourth. Um, what was that? I think he's wrong. You think he's wrong? Okay. I don't believe that. Uh, <laughs> he said that he created Mother because he wanted to create a bat villain that Meryl Streep could play. <laughs> which is a pretty great like origin of a, of a character. I have to yeah. give him. I have to give him that. Yeah. Um, and I think that what's been nice is I feel like that's a pretty apt description, not just physically. But I feel like she's very level-headed, she's very calm, and she's certainly creepy. I think she's been handled very, very well so far. Yeah, just the name itself is very creepy. Just referring, when you were doing your recap, Vince, and you kept saying mother in sentences, <laughs> it sounded creepy. Like, you know, not you saying it yourself, but just... Hello, mother. Yeah. Just, How are mother, you, mother? Mother and Dick were talking. And <laughs> you guys don't so talk weird. to your moms like that? <laughs> it's like some kind of like weird mix between, you know, Psycho and Arrested Development. <laughs> <laughs> I'll watch that show. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well played, Zach. Well played. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that now, now I'm self conscious when I'm saying the name. But I, I think that that mother has been quite good so far. Uh, I'm going back to Gotham, mother. <laughs> if I call her mommy, is it any better? Oh no. <laughs> Uh, no, but... I think you're right. She's been handled really well. And something I was going to mention, um, it's not my one thing, so don't okay. worry about that. But uh, uh, the way that Genevieve Valentine has scripted her, um, she she her dialogue is really, really well done. She's like turning the screws on Dick's like emotion. <laughs> we already know that he's self-conscious, or was anyway, in the flashbacks about uh how Bruce feels about him and if he's doing a good enough job, you know, and, and mother just turns those screws. She's just screwing her dick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> and we are we are we're recording earlier than we've ever recorded and yet we are punchier than ever. This is a hot one. This is a hot one. <laughs> hot show. <laughs> I'm not uh, even on Ambien. <laughs> uh, but no, you're right. She um like she knows exactly how to needle him, 
Like she knows that, you know, he's self-conscious and he's, he's afraid that he's a disappointment. And she goes right to that. She was like, you know, pretty much the first thing she says is like, yeah, you were never good enough. So I had to build Bruce, a better version of you. Yeah. It's, 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 it, she is psychologically just, dis- you know, attempting to destroy him. It's a, uh, and I feel like, you know, for the most part, while there are certainly cerebral bat villains before, I can't remember one being this level-headed about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I, I really, really enjoy her character thus far, but I refuse to say her name for a little while because. That's where we are tonight. Um, I want to talk about the flashback for a second here. Um, obviously, Bruce is playing her, right? Bruce has has no real interest in this bride. Yet, what we have been brought to believe by the earlier issues is that eventually Bruce does something very wrong here. Do we think that like, could it be as simple as she actually went through with, like, wiping someone's brain for him, and that's his greatest thing? Because that seems pretty low on the uh, the guilt meter there. So what do you think changes to get to the point where Bruce considers this his, like, worst ever crime he commits or whatever? I, I've, been, I've been trying to figure that out. Um... You know the 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 scenes with Bruce and mother and and like last issue when it was like creepy leading up to it. You know, uh-huh. I I I just feel like this issue it it just went deeper. I mean, we saw him put the tracking device on, so we I mean, we knew all along he's there for some ulterior motive to like right. see what she's doing. You know, but it it deepens the mystery even more as to where he screwed up. You know, and I I can't find an answer for that oh i keep coming back to the first issue with that you know that cliffhanger with a a batman with a gun and you know wondering if that is bruce and if so what got him to that point um you know maybe did mother you know is she gonna find out soon down the line that what he's doing and then uh, you know, brain wipe him or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's he spends some time working for her basically. And if that's his greatest sin, all right. Not to make this not to cross over with our Star Wars chat too much here, but <laughs> but doesn't that sort of absolve Bruce of the guilt? Then almost like one one of the things I think is really poorly done about the Star Wars prequels is a bunch of things that could have been done to make Anakin not seem like a terrible character, but it constantly is, they kind of mess with that, and, you know, you see him a lot, I think they were trying to make him a victim of circumstance, but it just falls flat. Doesn't that just make Bruce a victim of circumstance, if he's brainwashed? Maybe, maybe, I guess you could make the argument that he let himself get into that situation, um... May you know maybe something happens along the way that he feels like he could have done better, and I you know I don't know maybe what if he really did ask her to make a Robin? You know I know like she mother oh I said it she <laughs> uh, 
is saying these things to Dick to to you know get in his head or whatever. But what if there is some truth to it? You know, what if somewhere down the line he kind of falls in with them to a degree? If she did make him a Robin, it pretty much has to be Jason, right? Well, I have an interesting thought about that, but but if you want to keep going. Well, the, my thought is just that we've we've now seen Tim's family, and while that certainly could be a decoy family of some sort, it seems to me like we've established Tim's origin. We know it can't be Dick because Dick is with Bruce when he encounters her for the first time, mm-hmm. and we know Damien's origin better than we know any of the other Robin's origins at this point. Mm-hmm. So to me, that leaves Jason, unless you don't believe that's actually Tim's family. Right. And that Born... would be too obvious, I would think. To to me, that just seems too obvious. Mm-hmm. You know. What were you going to say, Vince? Well, my thought, and it's a little bit, it's a li- I'm not sure I even believe it, but I'm, okay. just throwing it, I'm just throwing it out there. What if Asriel was a Robin that she created for him that was a failure somehow that he didn't take back with him or something? I, I like that idea. That sounds that's actually pretty good. Yeah, mm-hmm. which because um, when does that flashback an issue? Is that a flashback um, with the 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 Batman with the gun, or is that in the present? That's a flashback. It is a flashback to okay. Cairo, Egypt, and, and it was the, the five years pre. Five years earlier, or did it give a time frame? I think it just says several years ago. I okay, look it up right now, though. <clears throat> um, several years, yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm wondering. I, I do think maybe it is this, uh, the, the orphan or Azrael character, whatever that ends yeah. up being. I could see that being a, a secret Robin that we didn't know about that Mother made. I mean, it could um, be Cassie too. Yeah, it could, or Harper, even for that matter. Mm-hmm. Because what's interesting is, you know, uh, this is another one of the things that, that James uh, Tynan said to me, which was that, you know, Harper Rowe feels like she was on the path to being Robin, and then that was taken away from her when Bruce, like, has his, you know, when he, his mind is gone, right? Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, but he says, but clearly Bruce had plans for her since she was on this list, I don't think it's her, though, because of her brother. I feel like anybody with a connection to somebody else seems like a poor uh, a poor bet to be one of these, to be one of Mother's creations. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so, too. Unless it's supposed to be, like, implanted memories, but I think that's just me reading Martian Manhunter a lot lately and, <laughs> you know, sort of conflating those two. Which is a great book. Oh, the best. So, so good. Um are you are you guys both caught up with that? Yes. Uh, I'm not yet. <laughs> oh, get Dude. on that, Zach. Yeah. Maybe soon. Maybe soon. Yeah. Um. I, w- before we get to our one things, this is the second issue in a row. Alvaro Martinez illustrated, and goodness gracious, this guy can draw. I yeah. could gush over this book for a really long. The art in this book for a really long time. Just the the use of panels and like some of the symmetry. Mm-hmm. I love that page at the beginning that has the, the the title page that has the the flashback on top and the present day on bottom yeah. and how they kind of mirror each other 
both uh, in like Sandra Molina's colors too in this issue quite quite good so good yes very good yeah I love like the con- the contrast the top you have you know you, you flip the angles and also you have like an inverse of the color scheme basically mm-hmm. um man I lo- it's so good and then the other one the other page that I really liked was the uh where was it it was towards the end of the book where Dick and Mother are like facing each other down, and you've got this series of panels where Mother has the the like pins or something that she's going to throw, and Dick is like reaching for his gun and he stops. Mm-hmm. I love that page. There's a there's one also here. It's it's relatively early in the book where um, Cassie and Harper are fighting the the ballet dancers and. You could completely... There's only one line of dialogue, which is, hang on, Cass. But it's totally mm-hmm. unnecessary because you see Martinez just draws that Harper sees that she can drop this chandelier on the dancers. And it's just this... Like, there, there's nothing that's 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 uh, overt about it. It's just very subtle. We see her glance off to the side. We see the switches. It just perfectly tells this piece of storytelling with no mm-hmm. words. And I love how, like, just the the period on the end of that page is Cass elbowing that one yeah. belly dancer in the, in the chin. Yeah. It's just really, really good panel layouts. Everything about this issue visually worked for me. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, because this is a weekly book and because it seems like this is just what happens sometimes we do get, uh, some Scott Eaton pages later Which in the book. Yeah, it's really only the the Jason and the Jason Tim. and Tim stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but we do get a couple of those. And you know, Scott, we've talked before about how Scott Eaton's a perfectly cromulent art- artist. <laughs> you know, um, and uh, you know his stuff works here. I just think that one of the problems, and this is probably a discussion for another day, is I feel like one of the problems with Tim's New Fifty Two costume and Jason's hood, like mask that's not really a hood. Uh, even though he's called Red Hood, that's a whole other story. I feel like those, as well as like the the original Batwing costume, they're just, if they're not drawn by the proper artist, they just look really, really hokey. Mm-hmm. And I feel like some of Eaton's work in this issue with those costumes just does not look very good. Yeah, Tim's costume is troublesome. Yeah, uh, and it, it looks like Jason's wearing a robot mask in one yeah. uh, in one panel there. So <laughs> I always think it's funny how uh, how much expression they can put into that mouth on his mask. How yeah. it can uh, <laughs> it's like I'm looking at the the second to last page and it's like he's frowning. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's comics. That's <laughs> comics, folks. Yeah. Uh, um. So Vince is convinced I'm going to take his one thing for this issue. Now I don't think you are because I I I think I actually think it's kind of clever and I don't think you're going to take it. So I'm not clever now. I see. Okay. Well, it's too clever. It's uh, so clever. It's stupid. Okay. I have. All right. So then. So then I, I was going to volunteer to go first, but uh, I, I'll rescind that offer. Vince, why don't you go ahead? All right. So I wanted to talk about one particular panel, and I guess it's on the third to last page. Okay. It's the panel where. Uh, Harper and Dick are in the Prague Batcave, uh-huh. and it says we stick together. There's few enough of us left. Mm-hmm. Dick, Dick says that. 
I love how the the bat cowl and the little Robin domino mask are kind of bordering the two of them. Uh-huh. And it made me think, not that I think this is going to happen, but it just made me imagine for a minute Dick as Batman again and then Harper as his Robin. Oh, I would love that so much. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, I would I would buy that book seven days a week and twice on oh Sunday. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, that'd be so good. Yeah, that's that, that's not my thing, Vince. Don't worry. <laughs> All right, Zach, what's yours? Oh gosh, I don't really know. There wasn't like this issue wasn't very big on, you know, kind of like head scratcher moments or anything. It was kind of just like the logical follow up to last week's issue, which I think had way more game changers. Yeah. Um I would you know, right now we've got Red Hood and Arsenal, right? Mm-hmm. I would much rather have a book that is what Red Hood does on the weekends. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently goes to church <laughs> oh. and listens to Cheap Trick. Yes. <laughs> uh. All right. My one thing is just uh, like one of the things I've really enjoyed about this book is that you've had both Harper and Cassandra as major characters. And yet there's been very, very little done to sexualize them. Mm-hmm. I feel like it would be very easy to make to make more of what they do you know, border on like the the cheesecake sexy side of, of comics or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I will say there's a very weird bit in this where if you look at the it's it's towards the end of the issue, it's the double page spread where Dick, Harper, and Cass are all fighting. <laughs> and it looks like someone tried to shoot between her legs. There's like bullet holes in her dress in the yeah. crotch. And that's just a very, very uh-huh. odd choice. Yeah. <laughs> That happens, I suppose, in a brawl. I guess yeah. so. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. I don't know. It almost looks like maybe her dress just kind of got like torn or ripped or something, maybe. But you're right; it does look like bullet holes. <laughs> it's not Wonder Woman. Know how that would happen? Oh my goodness, it's not. You're right. Yeah. Things yeah. I didn't think I'd see today. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that hasn't made the 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 Twitter rounds yet. I haven't seen anything about that. Surely someone has to be outraged about that. Yeah. There, there has to be somebody calling for a think of the children moment, (laughs) you know? uh... I mean, think about it. Think about it. This issue of dark Knight three had wonder woman's nipple and Superman's penis. That is true. (laughs) (laughs) Someone's been reading my dream journal. (laughs) Oh, anything so, else to uh, to discuss with this issue? Or are we happy to uh, to call it a night? No, I think we did a good job. I think we did a great job. Give yourself a pat on the back, <laughs> guys. We nailed it. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, we'll be back next week. Just a quick plug here: if you're listening to this show and you like podcasts and you like Star Wars, check out our new Star Wars podcast, Force Ghost Coast to Coast, named by your co-host here, Zach. Yay! 
Uh, it features all three of us as well as 11 other Multiversity staffers talking about Star Wars in its various forms. The first episode is out uh, as of the time this drops. And if you're hearing this on Saturday, tomorrow, episode two drops. So it's a seven-part series. We're very excited to be a part of it. I'm very proud of the first uh, episode. Just uh, everybody on Multiversity contributed such amazing stories about Star Wars. And uh, I think you all should listen to it. So if you haven't done it yet, listen to that. And uh, we'll see you next time. I don't think Grayson is